Everybody, everybody, uh, everybody excited that the weather's changing, it's getting warm, yeah? Our days are longer. I love that um, this season and, and when it starts to change like that. Um, and sometimes it could be a good thing and then sometimes it could be bad because you can be outside, right, doing stuff and hanging out and you're thinking it's still early and all of a sudden it's like 8.45, you know, and the sun's just setting and, and you lost track of time. And then it's time to go to bed and the boys are like, your kids are like, no, it's bedtime. It's not even dark yet. So good to be in God's house tonight. Um, and it's extremely, extremely uh, exciting uh, for myself um, to be uh, up here once again with all of you and here on a Wednesday night. Uh, it's been some time and I'm just uh, very thankful, very thankful and very blessed uh, to uh, bring the study out of Acts for the month of May. So hopefully you all come back next week, okay? Sister Fernanda is the only one that got that right there. I'm going to have our crew start coming up with... Uh, Sound effects and do drum rolls. <laughs> oh, man. Before we get into it, though, uh, I would like to ask two people, okay, two folks. Um, let me ask everyone, though, just generally, has God been good to you? Yeah? He's been very good to me. Um, and I have a lot that I could testify about. But I would love to hear from some, someone tonight. Uh, even if it's just one person, that's fine. But if there's two of you that would be brave enough to come and just share briefly one thing that you're thankful for or one thing that you're, uh, wanna, you know, just God has done this in my life lately, uh, whatever it would be, uh, we have a mic down here. Uh, feel free to, you know, manage it if you need to move it, uh, adjust it a bit. But come on up. Let's give it up. Let's give it up for our sister. Hi, my name is Christina. Um, what I'm thankful for is um, my mom had a stroke April 1st, and um, that, it was a horrible event. She's still in the hospital, not doing well. But through it all, God has reunited my family, has brought my brothers together again. We haven't seen my older brother in nine years, at, at least. You know, so now um, we're together. We're getting through it together. And I was able to minister to my brothers um, the first thing I told them before I said hi or anything, I'm like, look, it, this is not God's fault. You know, it's my mom's fault. It's her choices that she made and everything, but it's God's will. Whether he chooses to heal her um, here in the living or taking her home, it's not God's fault. So I don't, want, I don't want you guys to blame God for this. I want you guys to understand it's his will and to not be mad at God for this. I'm hoping this experience, this situation brings you guys closer to God and gives you the peace that I have with this. So. Praise God. We've been praying for Christina's mom for some time now, and we're believing that the Lord is going to bring complete healing to her body and to her life. Amen? Amen. One more? All right, sis, come on. God bless you. Hello, my name is Rose, and uh, I want to give a testimony of example of the word of God saying, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. 
When you are a tighter, when you are a giver, you have to really trust the Lord that he will do what he say he will do. I was driving along a 110 freeway uh, this week in the night. So I was on a speed because I was going late. I never saw police cops in the night before. I never see them, you know, you know, stopping people for a traffic light. So as I was going behind me, there was flashlight. And I looked, I said, who is telling me to go more than I'm going now? So then they passed me. It was the police cops, and they told me, slow down. I said, Lord, police cops telling me to slow down? So I slowed down, and they left. I thought they were going to come behind me. They were going, and immediately I called my husband. I said, you can't believe what happened. The Lord, <laughs> the Lord you know, helped me uh, you know, to avoid a ticket that could have ruined my driver's license, and I would pay, and it, was a, it could have been a bad experience. So, praise God, and to God be the glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's give it up. Come on. We give testimony of God's goodness, um, not only for us to give God glory, right, for what, he's do- what he has done, uh, but also to encourage one another. Amen? Encourage one another. So, tonight, uh, we're going to dive into Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, if you have your, your tablets, your phones, your, your hard copy, open it up to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. How many of you have been enjoying us going through the book of Acts since we started, yeah? Amen. How many of you are jumping ahead and reading ahead at home? All right. Now we know who all the, uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> all the overachievers now. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's fun when we get into God's word, amen? I don't know if you have fun with it, but I have fun with it. And um, man, as I was, I was getting into this yesterday and I even called over Enoch as we were here in the front office and uh, you know, we're all doing our work uh, for the day and I had to call him in and share stuff. So that's the way it is. Sometimes we get so excited about what we're seeing or what we're reading. It's just, you know, simple stuff sometimes, but you know, it's just, that's the way God's word is for us. We find joy in it, amen? Amen? All right. Everybody in Acts chapter 12? Before we read, I want everybody to say, now I know. Come on, everybody. Now I know. My hope is that all of us would come to know God's goodness, would come to experience God's deliverance, just like Sister Rose testified Sister Christina, that we would all know not because of knowledge, because we can all know because of what we read and learn, amen, from knowledge, theory, but that we would know because we've experienced it, amen, that we would know that God is with us, that we would know that he's our deliverer, that we would know that he is our protector, that we would know, right, Because we've seen it, we've experienced it, we've lived it. He's given us second, third, fourth, fifth, and 
you know, we can go on, right? An infinity of chances, of opportunities, amen? That we would know because of what we've experienced, not just because of what we've read. And tonight, that's kind of what chapter 12, to me, was about. Um, we're going to see some cool stuff, which I'm glad it's May the 4th today. I don't know if all of any of you are into Star Wars, but... Um, today, everybody's all over the radio saying, may the fourth be with you. You guys heard that one today on the radio? No? If you saw it somewhere on a, on a news feed or social media, that's what it's referring to in case you were wondering. <laughs> What's up with the fourth, you know? I'm all about El Cinco de Mayo. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But we're going to see all kinds of awesome things that God does in chapter 12 of the book of Acts. Now, the whole book of Acts is filled with God's miracles and goodness and protection. But today we're going to see some really powerful things that I pray that by the end of tonight, that when we leave today, we would say, this is the God that I serve. This is the God that I believe in. This is the Lord that I trust in, that I've put my faith in. This is him. And I'm going to continue to grow, continue to move forward, no matter what circumstances I find myself in, I know. Amen? All right. Acts chapter 12. Uh, I'm reading out of the NIV. And it says, It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belong to the church. Intending to persecute them. How many of us can bear witness that and know that the enemy is always intending to bring harm to us? Yeah? The enemy's intentions for yours and my life, okay, are exactly that. Okay, I want you to remember this. He can only intend. Amen? Do you get what I'm saying with this? In other words, he can attempt, he can try, and he's going to try really hard. And he might even get us to the point where we may want to give up, be on that verge, right? On the edge of that, you know, that place where his intention has almost taken us out. But I want you to remember this passage because... All he can do is have the intention. All he can do is try. But we all know, right? We all know that what Jesus has done for us on the cross was defeated Satan. So therefore, our lives, yours and my life, belong to the Lord. Amen? And the victory that we have is because of the victory that the Lord had on the cross for you and I. Amen? So it says, and we'll continue. And I'm going to do this throughout the night. I'm, I've never been the type to read through the whole passage first and then go back. Maybe one day I'll do that. But I'm going to pause quite a bit throughout this passage. Amen? Intending to persecute them. Now watch this. He had James, the brother of John, put to death by sword. Do you all know what that means? That means he was beheaded. That means he cut his head off. Okay? He was put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, 
Okay? Now, I want you to keep in mind, we're talking about Herod, and this is the grandson of Herod the Great. Herod the Great was the king who tried to destroy Jesus when he was born. Do you remember the story when Jesus was born and King Herod had all the children from the age of two and under killed all the male children, the boys? Everybody remember that? Okay, here's his grandson now, okay? This is his grandson. When he saw, verse 3, when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter. Now, I want you guys, I want us to understand what's going on here. This is a political move, all right? This is not religious. When the people had Jesus be the one to be arrested, it was a religious deal. Do you guys follow? It was religious. It was the Jewish leaders of that time, during the time of Jesus, who wanted Jesus because they didn't believe he was the Messiah. They wanted him to be put to death. It was the religious leaders who came to the governing authorities of that day and said, we want Jesus. You guys remember, right? Now here, there's a lot of stuff going on. You might have remembered from last week, uh, chapter 11, there's mention of a famine going on, right? Okay, so there's like a bunch. Keep that in mind. Just keep it in mind as we continue to read. There's a whole lot of stuff going on. But this move right here from King Herod is a political move. And we notice that because he says, and having seen, so he's, he's already got a great connection with the Jewish leaders of that day. He's already got a relationship established. He's got a strong following and favored by the religious leaders of that day, the Jewish religious leaders. Everybody tracking? Yeah? But he wants to reaffirm that and make sure, like any good politician would, right? I want to make sure that I got all my followers with me because some stuff's about to happen and I want to make sure they're on our side, okay? So he says, verse 3, when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, now he says, I'm going to go after another one. So he has one beheaded. And remember, in the first verse, he says that he got some of them. They don't mention all the ones he's arrested already or that he has seized or captured. It just says some of them. And then it mentions James being beheaded being killed by the sword. Now he says, I'm going to go after the big guy. In this case, right now, it's Peter. Peter's one of the big apostles, okay? One of the main followers of Jesus. You know that he was with Jesus in the garden, remember? Remember how passionate he was in the garden? Jesus, there's no way that you're going to die on the cross. We're not going to let you. Remember, he pulled out a sword. The guy was crazy. You remember that? He was, he was ready. He was passionate. But he couldn't, at that moment, understand, really understand, right, that there was a plan that God was and had already put in place. There was a plan that God was wanting fulfilled. So it didn't matter, okay? It didn't matter what anybody would have tried to do to thwart that plan or to, you know, make that plan go astray or to go in a different direction. The plan was going to happen. Do you get what I'm saying? And it's the same thing here. When God, when God wants 
something to happen, it's going to happen. God has a purpose for your and my life. God has a purpose for so many things. We don't know if God's purpose for Sister Rose that night only being told to slow down by that police officer was because there may have been danger ahead for her. Do you follow me? We won't know that. We'll never know that, right? Thank the Lord we won't, and we don't have to. We're thankful, and we give God the glory that she didn't get a ticket that night, <laughs> right? I wish I could say the same for myself. I haven't had one in years, but, man, I remember being a youngster speeding around in my Acura, okay? Early 20s, thought I was cool, riding around in my blue Acura with my cool, shiny rims, speeding everywhere, and I got caught going to visit my parents in Arizona. I think some of the teenagers were with me on that trip. Man, talk about some humble pie, okay? But when God has a purpose for your and my life, when God has a plan for your and my life, all the, the devil can do is intend. You get it? He has intentions. He can try all he wants, but God's plan will succeed in yours and my life. Amen? Somebody, somebody clap with Sister Paulino. She's, she's blessed. So, should we keep reading? All right. So he seized Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. Now, this is happening all during Passover. All right? This is all happening during Passover. But look at how, this guy's slick. This guy's really smooth, okay? These guys, ah, not foolish at all. Very smart politicians. Now, okay, let's go back to Jesus, to the days of Jesus. When Passover came around, the Roman government would say to the people, is there someone that you would have us set free who is imprisoned? It was a custom and it was part of their, the laws of that day that during Passover, the Roman authorities, the Roman government would have that respect towards their religious laws and say, hey guys, is there anybody? That's why it happened when they asked that they said, let's switch you take Jesus, and we'll take the other guy. Do you guys remember that? Barabbas, yes. Do you guys remember that? Okay. We want Barabbas, right? And then they say, take Jesus instead. But here, Herod is slick. I mean, here's why. Let's keep reading. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial. When? Are you reading along? After Passover. After Passover. So in other words, he didn't want to bring him out for trial during Passover because he knew they, went, they might say, or there might be enough. Man, last week I believe... Uh, Enoch, in his teaching, he was sharing that um, they called those who were believers, right, and followers of Christ, little Christians, yes or no? Remember last week, right, as we were listening? So he knew that there could potentially be enough little Christians. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm just, you know, having fun. Little Christians that would gather and cause such an uproar to have Peter released. Because, again, Peter was one of the great leaders 
of the church in that day, right? But no, he says, I'm going to wait until after Passover when they can't request for him to be delivered. So he says, this happened during the festival on leaving bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison. Handing, now, listen to this next thing. These prisons were built to keep, just like today, to keep people in. And there was plenty with just the common guards that they had or with the normal, I should say, normal amount of guards. But we know that he, King Herod here, understands that he's making some big moves and he's arrested a pretty big name person of the Christian community, right? So he doubles the amount of guards that he assigns to Peter's protection. Ah, not even protection, to making sure that he doesn't escape or that somebody doesn't try. Why? Because they remember what happened with Jesus, right? But again, if we go back to the story with Jesus, it was the religious leaders that came to the Roman officials and said, hey, we want to make sure the tomb's protected. It wasn't the Roman government that was assigning soldiers to the tomb. It was the religious leaders that were requesting it, requesting them to be assigned to the tomb. Now here he knows, I need to make sure that this guy stays in. Because if I can cut off one of the main heads, one of the main leaders of this church, then I can, I can definitely, definitely bring some harm to all these followers. And maybe they'll disperse. Maybe they'll go away. Maybe they'll stop talking about Jesus. Do you guys get, do you guys see what's going on here? So many things, right? So many things going on. He's trying to cut the head off. So he's tactical about what he does. See, Satan, he doesn't just come to you thinking, you're going to be an easy target. He really has to work hard at getting a hold of you and I. So why? Because we belong to, to God. We belong to the king. You follow me? So when he comes after Peter, he has to use his political savviness and tactic and wisdom and say, I'm going to do everything I can to keep this guy in here until I can get him out the next morning. And then I'll take him out for a hearing, right? A public hearing. So he says, after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads. Listen to this. Four squads of four soldiers each. So there's four squads. Each squad has four soldiers. Now that's a lot of soldiers. That's a lot of guards to assign to one guy. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after Passover. Verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison. Ah, but this is where it gets really good. And you don't want to miss this. I almost missed this part as I was going through this chapter. And it says, but, <laughs> but, everybody say but. Come on, guys. Everybody say but. But, what does it say? The church was doing what? Does this say they were just kind of hanging out? No? Does this say just praying? Some translations might say fervently. Okay? 
constant prayer. Some translations say constant prayer. Some versions, I should say. All of that to mean that the church wasn't just, you know, peacefully, calmly at home. Lord, if you want to get Peter out of prison, it says that the church was earnestly, was constantly. The church went into prayer mode over Peter's life. Now, some people would ask, okay, why, why Peter? What about James? Why did he get beheaded? Okay, this is where we know that God is sovereign and God has a plan for everything. And we know that at this point, we can at least say, I'm not saying this is why, because I'm not God. But we could at least say God still had a purpose for Peter. And that's not to say that he didn't have a purpose or his plan for James was done. But we can say that many times there are some martyrs, there are some times that we hear about certain things that do encourage us, yes or no. Even when they're devastating. You know what? Well, I'm going to fight harder then. My friend's in the hospital or somebody's suffering. You know what? I'm going to go and pray harder. Do you get what I'm saying? But there was a plan that still needed to, you know, come to fruition for Peter's life and for Peter's calling. You and I are here today. Amen? Could we be somewhere else? And I'm not just talking about at home watching TV. I, I'm, I'm seriously. Let's, can we really be somewhere else in life right now? Like Pastor Isaac used to say, we could be like a baseball lost in tall grass. As many of us were, maybe one of us is. But there's a reason why you and I are here tonight. And I'm not just talking about attending a Bible study. There's a reason why you and I have life today. There's a purpose and a reason why God has us still here kicking, going, you know, moving forward. There's a reason why you are here today, church. Let us not forget that. There is a church that is praying for you. There is a church that is praying for me. There's family members praying for you and I. There's friends praying for you and I. We may not hear from them every day, telling us, texting us, calling us, I'm praying for you, but there's people praying for us. There is somebody praying for you today. I want you to say that right now. Someone is praying for me right now. And that's the truth. And that's the truth. It says, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was was earnestly praying to God for him. They went into intercessory battle, prayer battle mode. Do you know what that means? I don't know if any of you have ever had to do this. I don't know if you've been in such a difficult, ugly, or hard situation in your life that's driven you to prayer in a way that you've never prayed before. And I'm not saying if you haven't asked for it because, you know, I'm not saying that. <laughs> but there's moments in life, there's experiences that we have, there's trials that we go through that drive us to our knees to the point that we can't stop praying. And we don't want to stop praying even when we, it hurts. It starts to hurt after a while. 
It starts to get uncomfortable after a while. And you're praying and you're praying, but you don't want to stop because you know the only answer at that moment during that time period of your life is to pray. That's the kind of prayer that the church went into for Peter. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. All right. Okay. Here we go. Everybody get their imagination, okay, heads on right now or hats or whatever you want to call it. Okay, here's Peter. He's in jail. And there's two guards, one on each side of him. Okay? And they're keeping watch over Peter. And it says, The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping. I've never had to go to jail. I thank the Lord for that. I thank the Lord for that. I'll be very honest. Uh, there was some tickets I didn't take care of, care of, and I did get some, you know, bench warrants set on Pastor Joe. At the time, I wasn't Pastor Joe yet. I was just Joe, and I'm still just Joe, okay? Pastor's just the title. My first name is not Pastor. But trust me, I went and tried to take care of those things so fast. I got scared out of my mind because I didn't know what could happen. I think if there were silly little tickets, too. They were like, you know, I think I was driving some, a friend of mine's truck one time and had big tires. And here in California, you have to have mud flaps. I guess that's the law. This was a while back. I don't even know if this still stands. And I didn't have, my friend's truck didn't have mud flaps. We were in Bible school. Okay, and I was in Pasadena in my friend's truck hanging out with other friends. And the cops pulled us over and gave me a ticket. And I forgot about it. Some time went by, I went to go do something else, and they said, hey, there's a bench warrant out for you. I said, excuse me? <laughs> I said, oh, what? They're like, yeah, you didn't take care of this ticket. You didn't show up to court when you were supposed to. I said, oh, what? I was like, how can I take care of that right now? All right. I've never been in that extreme situation where I've had to be behind bars, and I'm thankful to the Lord for it. But I don't imagine that it's an easy thing to sleep when you're behind bars. I cannot imagine that it would be an easy thing to do. But here is Peter. He's in prison. He already knows his buddy James got beheaded. He knows there's a few others, as it said at the first verse. There was others that Herod went after. And here he is. And trust me, Trust me, I'm pretty sure he knows what's waiting for him the next morning. You think those soldiers stayed quiet that whole night? Or do you think they were taunting him, making fun of him, messing with him? Man, you know this is your last night. What's your request? <laughs> you got any last request? You know they were messing with him. But yet, Peter finds it capable in the midst of being in prison, knowing that tomorrow might be his last morning, and he's asleep. I could only think of this. You know, okay, it doesn't tell us. I just, like I said, I love digging into scripture and I have fun doing it. Here's what I imagined and what I'm thinking. Do you remember when the disciples were on the boat and they're in the middle of the storm? You guys remember that? And they're all freaking out. Yeah? And what was Jesus doing? How many of you, how many of us have learned certain things by watching others? 
right? So my guess would be that maybe Peter had such a great confidence in his Lord that it didn't matter whether they beheaded him the next day or not. His faith, his trust, his confidence, all his assurance was in Jesus. Because he had seen his teacher, his master, his savior, asleep in the middle of a storm. And at this point now, he's grown, he's matured. He saw his Lord and Savior raised from the dead, die and raised from the dead. So he's like, you know what? This isn't that bad, considering what my Lord went through. And you know what? If tomorrow's my last day, guess what? It's all the much better for me anyways, because I'll be with my Lord. You see, Paul hadn't written for to live as Christ and to die as gain. That hadn't even happened yet. You guys follow me? That hadn't even happened yet. As a matter of fact, we're going to read at the end of this verse that Saul was still Saul. He wasn't even Paul yet. Do you get what I'm, where I'm going with that? So it's not like Peter can reference scripture. Do you get what I'm saying? Like the way we do. Oh, but to me, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. No, he didn't have those scriptures. All he had was the Old Testament. But you know what he did have was a night witness to his Lord and Savior sleep on a boat, knowing that if he could be asleep on the boat, it's no big deal for me to be asleep here in this jail. So his faith had grown. I hope, I hope one day when we're facing a big trial, we could just sleep through them. Right? After praying and putting it in the Lord's hands and saying, Lord, it's in your hands. I'm going to take a little nap now. And if you want me to get up and pray some more, you go ahead, wake me up. But I'm just going to sleep through this for a little while, get some rest so I can get back up tomorrow and go out my business, if that's what you choose for me. Isn't that awesome to be able to have that kind of, you know, attitude, right? I can't do that. Something's going on at home or somewhere around. I'm, I'm awake at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm reading scripture. I'm praying, Lord, please, right? Help us through this. Get us through this storm. And Jesus is sleeping in the boat. He's like, all you got to do is get up and tell the storm to calm down. So here's Peter. This is his way of saying, you know what? I'm good either way. I'm in the Lord's hands. And then it says, so he's sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. So he's got two soldiers on, one on each side. He's bound with two chains. And it says, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, this is like a play in Christmas time here at Mission Ebenezer on stage. And suddenly, right? What does it say? An angel of the Lord appeared. And a light shone in the cell. I can already see like you know, back here, somebody handling a big spotlight. And one of our kids is pretending to be the angel, right? <laughs> That's the way I envision this thing. Bam! And the music going off, right? All these trumpets and this cool crescendo exploding. And the angel lifting his hands with his wings up. And the lights shining through. And these guys apparently are asleep. That's God's hand. That's all God right there. And the light shone in the cell. And look at what he did next. Here's the angel, okay? 
How many of you guys are really, really sound sleepers? I mean, there could be all kinds of stuff happening outside, police activity, 2 o'clock in the morning, maybe even some gunshots, and you're just snoozing right through it. Anybody like that? Yeah? And then some of us, right, a little cricket goes off, and we're like, what was that? (laughs) Christina said, that's me, right? What was that? (laughs) The angel says, everybody there? Verse 7, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter. says he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. He was so sound asleep. Even after he came in, right, the light shines bright and Peter's still snoozing. He's snoozing so deep. He's so deep in his sleep, guys. The angel has to come and punch him in the side. It doesn't say he tapped him, okay? It's not a tap. When I wake up my boys on Sunday morning, because they all tell me, Dad, I want to go to the church tomorrow. And I, I, we're here by 7, 7.30, okay, ish. <laughs> Pastor Manuel, I think he's the first one here. He's here like at 6.30, I think, 6.45. Okay? I go in there, I turn on the light, and I tap my boys. Come on, guys, wake up. Wake up. I rub their backs. I start moving their arms. I start messing with their hair. Just, you know, and they don't want to wake up. They're just like dead asleep. The angel, it says, he came over and he, he straight up socked Peter in the side. Anybody ever done that to you while you're sleeping? No? I've been to plenty of youth camps, okay? Plenty of youth camps where our boys would mess around with each other. And they would punch each other, do things to each other. As somebody, what are you doing? Right? You wake up, you're not happy, you're mad. And you're like, what's going on? The angel punches Peter in the side, guys. Punches him on the side, and he's like, listen what he says next. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up, and he says, quick, get up. And as he says that, Peter's chains fall off. It says, Peter's chains fell off. This is fun. Talk about may the fourth be with you, right? If Yoda was reading this, he would say, the force is strongest with this one. See what I did there? The strongest, right? Not just strong, but he would be like, wow. And that's not all. He says, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Now, I want you to get a little bit more understanding of how intense the situation got because this translation didn't really do it justice, okay? It didn't really do it justice. So I went and I I always look at different translations and I love to go even into some of the, the language, the original language of the text. If you, Pastor Manuel has a slide of this same passage in the, New King James Version. And it says, Then the angel said to him, Okay, you don't have to look for it. It's up here on the wall. Gird yourself. Do you remember Ephesians? The armor of the Lord? You guys remember that? Everybody remember Ephesians? Okay. When it's starting to describe the armor, in the passage there, Paul says to the Ephesian church, Gird your loins. Okay. Gird yourself. There was a special belt, almost like a harness, 
that was put on, strapped on, in preparation as part of the entire armor suit for a soldier. And what he's saying to Peter here, and I believe God is saying to each and every one of us, hey, get up and get ready. Prepare yourself because we're about to do this. Now, okay, I don't know if many of you, my first thoughts during this whole passage was God just orchestrated a jailbreak. How is that okay? Because I was going back and forth in this passage. Wait a minute. But see, I had to be reminded, so I would go back to the beginning and start reading again. See, none of this, God didn't put him in jail. This wasn't even, this was somebody who had been put in jail for all the wrong reasons. Do you get what I'm saying? And God is saying, this isn't part of what my plan has to do with. This isn't what I've worked. This is somebody's acting outside of my plan, and I have to intervene. Do you get where I'm going with this? So this isn't just your average jailbreak of somebody who broke the law. This guy hadn't broken the law. Peter hadn't done anything to break the law. A king had put someone in jail for political reasons because he wanted to have more favor among the people whom he was governing. Do you get where this is at? So here's basically, he's, he's um, a, a, a political, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, oh my goodness, I had it and I forgot it. Anyways, you guys know what I'm trying to say, right? So, so here he is, okay, in jail for political reasons. So God says, I'm coming in and I'm sending one of my best guys. You ever seen those movies where they like, I just watched one the other day with Mark Wahlberg, my wife and I. I think it's called Infinite or something like that. I think it's on Prime. And this guy gets busted out of like jail by this car that just busts through the walls. And it's bulletproof. And I was like, man, that's a cool car, right? And these people were so precise in the way they came into this jail and, and broke him out as he's being questioned. And I was just like, that is so cool. That could only happen in the movies. And then I start studying for chapter 12 of Acts. And here's this angel that comes into the prison. He has a big bright light and he's smooth, but nobody sees it. So he keeps everybody asleep. But in order to wake the one guy he needs to wake up, he punches them in the ribs and he's like get up so not only is everybody in the the deepest sleep they could ever have their guards they're not even supposed to be asleep they're supposed to be guarding peter supposed to be awake but yet god made these guys go to sleep not only did they go to sleep they can't even hear what's going on and he tells peter get up gird yourself get ready and then he says Tie your sandals. So he did. And then he said to him, put on your garment. So he gives them step-by-step instruction. I mean, don't we all know how to get dressed now that we're adults? Don't we all know what we need to do? Why is the angel telling Peter to gird himself, tie his shoes? Make sure you tie up your shoelaces, Peter. Put on your coat, Peter. We're going to go outside. It's the middle of the night. It might be a little chilly. He's telling him to get dressed. Here's a grown man. Well, I don't know about you. The last time I got woke up at 2 in the morning because the police were outside for something that was going on, I couldn't even find my shoes, right? You're half asleep. So watch what's happening. 
Peter followed. He followed him out of prison. But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. So this whole time, Peter thinks he's in a dream. Peter thinks he's seeing a vision. He doesn't even know that this is like, for real, he's thinking he's in a movie. And he's thinking, this is the best dream of my last night alive. I'm dreaming that I'm being broke out of prison. I'm going to die tomorrow. This is great. <laughs> it's true. I was doing the same thing, Pete. I, oh, that's funny. Pete, and we're talking about Peter. I was doing the same thing, Pete. I was laughing. I was chuckling during this passage, this whole, these last three days. What in the world's going on here? I said, this has got to be God. And then he says, wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. So Peter followed him out of prison. But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. Then watch this. Watch this. They passed the first. They get past one guard. And I'm like, God is good. He took care of all the details. This is like the perfect getaway escape plan type of really out of them. I think all the movies in Hollywood, they read the Bible first. I'm not kidding. I think they do. I really think every single one of them gets their ideas from the Bible. They passed the first guard. Remember, each guard had four guys. You remember that? They passed the first guard. And then what does it say? And then they passed the second guard. And then they came to the iron gate leading to the city. And then watch this. Like in good old-fashioned Star Wars, Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? Jedi status. Do you guys remember the scene where Luke Skywalker's learning how to use his, his force and he's like trying to pick up the, I forgot what this, his jet is called. Right? You guys remember that? And he's trying to like make it go up and he can't and then like just keeps falling. Look at what happened next. When they had walked, oh, I'm sorry. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them. How cool is that? It says, it opened for them. And so then I got curious, and I was like, did it really? So then I find the word in the Greek text right there in that same spot where it's talking about this passage. Okay? Just so you know, the Greek text doesn't have verses, so you kind of have to go from the beginning of the chapter, and you just have to like... If you're not, like, I'm not like a fluent reader in Greek, okay? Don't get me wrong. But when I found the passage and when I found the place where it was at, I found this word. And you tell me if you don't recognize this word or maybe what it sounds like. Automatos. What? Automatic. So we get our English word, automatic. And it says it right there in the Greek text. The iron great gate, do you know what else that word means? But in, in one of the, I think in the King, New King James Version, it says, if you have that, or King James, it says it opened on its own accord, almost as if the gate had its own, like, like it had a soul in its own accord. Like, you know, the gate knew, like, oh, okay, here comes God, let me open up for him. They didn't even need the gate to be opened up. If the angel really wanted to, he would have just had Peter come outside, and you know, he would have been there. Okay, we're outside now, let's go. But see, I feel like, if that would have happened, I probably wouldn't have believed it so much. 
I say I because, hey, I like to, you know, hey, let me find out what this is going on here. How much more would you have believed it a little bit more or a little bit less? On, there's so much detail to this prison break, to this great escape. There is so much detail right here, Sergio. Guys, there is so much detail here. And then he gets to that last iron gate. It says it's the one that leads out to the city. And it says that it opened by itself and its own accord. Now, this is where I thought it was messed up. It says, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. So his boy I just helped him get out of jail. <laughs> Can you imagine? I'd be like, Where'd you go? <laughs> you know, like, wait a minute. What am I supposed to do now, right? But no, he knew what to do. There was a lot of people in town whose homes he knew, and he knew exactly where to go. And this is cool, and I'm going to start to wrap it up. I'm probably going to uh, read right through the next parts of this. And it says in verse 11, Then Peter came to himself. He, like, completely woke up, I guess. At that point, he's probably like, okay, I'm awake now. After all that happened, it says, then Peter came to himself. And he's like, this wasn't a dream. I'm outside. Look at that, right? I'm awake. He's probably pinching himself. He came to himself and said, what did he say? What did he say, Nicole? After that experience, Peter says, now I know. And that's where we started this, this whole chapter, right? Saying, now I know. I wouldn't want to say, God, I want to have an experience like Peter did. (laughs) We shouldn't have to ask for something that great. Do you get what I'm saying? We really shouldn't have to. Because each and every one of us have our own story about how the shackles were released from the bondage that you and I were living in. Each and every one of us were in bondage at one point. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here and we wouldn't say yes to Jesus Christ. But each and every one of us were in bondage. And I find it so, so symbolic that this was during the Passover. You know what they celebrated in Passover? They celebrated when God freed them from slavery in Egypt. That's what they celebrate every year at Passover. The celebration is a remembrance of what God did to deliver them from Pharaoh when they were slaves in Egypt. And how significant that here, Peter, physical chains is released, it says. And when he comes to and he's like realizing that this is all real, he says, now I know. Now I know. I believe each and every one of us had a moment like that where we said, now I know that my Lord lives. Now I know that my God is the one true, most powerful, sovereign God. That he is my savior, he's my friend, he's my Lord, and he has set me free from this bondage, from slavery. And we today, church, we can live out our purpose that God has called us to. Let's gird ourselves. In other words, tie up our belts. Let's serve the Lord wholeheartedly with everything we got. Not halfway, right? I, I almost said something else. <laughs> that we say out, you know, that we say out there sometimes, not halfway, 
but really live for the Lord and give to the Lord our entire life. Amen? Amen? When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, John Mark. Oh, and before that, he says, it's the passage says, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many people, you hear that? Where many people had, had gathered and were praying. This is where they were all gathered praying. It's not just a few people. They had a lot of people there interceding for Peter. When she recognized Peter's voice, her name was Rhoda, the servant girl there. It was a really cool story. You got to read the whole thing. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed. She didn't even open the door. Have you guys ever done that? He is so excited. I mean, probably the last time we've done that was when we were kids, right? And our favorite auntie or uncle or cousin came to visit and they're knocking. Oh, it's so-and-so. You don't even open the door. You run to the room to tell mom and dad first, right? So my kids do that all the time. It's Auntie Eva. It's Auntie. They don't open the door. They just run and tell us. Well, open the door. It's your aunt. Well, you told us never to open the door for anyone. She ran back, overjoyed. Peter's here. He's knocking at the door and they're saying, you're crazy. He's in jail. No, it's him. She insisted. It's him. Then they all said, oh, it must be his guardian angel. It must be his guardian angel. No, it's really him. They all come out shouting. He's like, I just escaped from prison. Shush, right? He's like, hey, he tells them. If you read it, he tells them, hey, guys. He, it says that he motioned to them like, shh, keep it down, okay? They're all out of here looking for me. There's a search party going on right now. But Peter kept on knocking. That reminds me of what Jesus said. When Jesus said, knock, remember? And it shall be opened, right? But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. And then he goes and he tells them, tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. I would have loved to have gone into it some more. Some cool stuff that happens after that with Herod that reminds us to give God glory in everything we do and never to take glory for ourselves. I know, but it's time's up. <laughs> All right, guys. I know, I would say, let's save it for another week, right? But next week is chapter 13. We'll get into it. It's fun. It's all good. Um, this, it's fun. Go home, read the, the ending. It's just a few more things, but it's just cool stuff. I, my boys were listening on the way here, right? We had, I played it in the car. And I was like, that was awesome. And my son Liam's like, Dad, you said it's awesome that somebody died because they were eaten from the inside their guts with worms? And I'm like, yeah, because God did that. And they're just like, what? But then they said, you know, can we hear the rest of it after church? I was like, yeah. God has loosened our shackles. He has freed us from the enemy's traps, from the enemy's hold on our lives. 
and everything he's intended for you and I. And trust me, he's going to continue to, you know, try. He's going to continue to try. Don't ever think for one minute. If you have trials going on in your life, don't ever think for one second that God is not with you. He is with you. We always like to say, you know, if the devil isn't messing with you, it means you ain't right. <laughs> when we're right with the Lord, the devil's messing with us all the time. But that's all he can do is try. He can mess with us all he wants. The Lord's already promised to protect you and my, my soul. Amen. He's with us. He is with us. He is with you. Everything the devil intends for harm, God uses for good. You know what? Well, I will say that at the end of this passage, you're going to read where it says, and the word of God and the church grew. And it doesn't say that it just grew a little bit. It says it greatly. It grew in power. So then we could see, like, there was a reason why all this was happening. The church was encouraged. They were telling the testimony and the stories of the miracle that God did for Peter. And they were able to continue to go about preaching and teaching the word and saying, this is real. We're living it. We're seeing it. Church, today we have that same opportunity to be that same light and to go tell the world. Amen? Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We ask your blessing on our evening. We ask your blessing on your people. We pray, Lord, that tonight as we leave your house, that we would be encouraged, that we would be encouraged, Lord, and reminded that you have done great things for us. You have done miracles. Each and every one of us is a miracle, a living miracle. And we have all been set free from the shackles of the enemy. We pray tonight that your Holy Spirit would quicken us to tell our own story to those out there that need to hear it, that we may be delivering your message of good news about your son, Jesus Christ. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. God bless you, everyone. Thank you.